welcome back to another very special edition of The Drop. A massive week in surf news and surf contest news. Stace G, your co-host here, will be joined very shortly by Michael Ciaramella. He is back on American soil after a much needed Euro vacation. After the contest news, we're gonna get into The Drop with Mikey and Brendan, big dick power surfer Buckley. Lots of big announcements this week, none bigger than the KS Waveco licensing its product to the Middle East. The boys are going to have more on that story and plenty of other surf news topics. But for now, let's get into the El Salvador wrap-up. Spoiler alert, it was won by Felipe Toledo in the men's, getting one back over Griffin Colapinto. And in the women's, it was Caroline Marks defeating Tyler Wright to be the sole goofy footer left standing after a massive week of competition in the women's side of surfing. Let's drop in. Euro Mike, the dream is over. You are now a temporary Florida man. That is correct. And I have my shirt off like any good Florida man. Uh, I'll be here just for a little bit, just visiting dad, but then heading back home for a while, hopefully. I feel like I haven't been back to Costa Rica and spent any time there in a while, so I'm excited. But it's yeah, it's been good. It's been fun. Uh, more shirt off back to your natural habitat you must be feeling pretty comfortable about that sure um actually oh not really because to be honest about a month in europe really does not do good things to your figure so i'm gonna need to be uh back on the mango diet when i get back to costa rica just putting in at least two hour sessions a day so i hopefully i get back to fighting form soon i reckon that haircut's gonna go down a treat in latin america though hmm it could. I, I might shave it. We'll see. We'll see how we go. I think you've just got to own that soccer referee haircut forever. <laughs> so, Stacy, it's official. The El Salvador comp is over after a good, what, four-day break. Um, obviously, we made our picks last week. We talked about the forecast. We talked about underdogs, overdogs, everything in between. How did we end up? Uh, we ended up not... Too good on my end. I got absolutely steamrolled. I picked Gabby and Yago, and they got absolutely hammered. Um, although Caroline Marks did win the women's, she is a goofy footer. I picked two goofy footers in the men, so I'm sort of correlating her victory. You know, um, thanks Caroline for um, you know really bringing it home for the goofs. <laughs> yeah, that was very impressive. Um, good on you, Caroline. Good on you, Stace, for sensing something. You were a little bit off, but you had the right <laughs> idea. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was um, yeah, it was definitely a, a hard event for the for the backsiders in the men, and I don't think, yeah, Gabby just did not look locked in at all in his heats. But man, his free surf stuff since the the event has been done for him has been incredible. So yeah, he's just got to put it together in his heats, which is unlike him. Yeah, I mean, Julian Wilson made a whole career out of that, didn't he? But it just you got to do it at crunch time. Normally, Gabby pulls it together, but that being said. He did manage to slip into the top five. He's now ahead of Jack Robinson, who obviously missed one event, was still injured at the surf ranch, and apparently injured himself again at the surf ranch on his ankle, and then obviously had a bad event in El Salvador. So the guy who started off looking absolutely Teflon in the beginning of the year is now out of the top five. But you kind of have to like his chances in the last two events of the season. Brazil's maybe a little bit iffy, but J-Bay and Chopes are right up his alley. Yeah, definitely. It's um, something that he's going to have to really put all his, by looking at it, all his eggs into the last two events. Unless Barinha, the right at Sakurima, fires up. That's his, you know, 
that's a, that's a totally different event for Jack if that event runs at the left or the right. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's going to be interesting for him. And I guess, yeah, Gabby's done his job. He's put himself in the top five heading into Brazil, which is, you know, definitely where he'd, he'd want to be. He'd been outside of it for a long time. So, yeah, it's um, good timing for Gabs. Yeah, good timing, but... It just, you can't help but feel that he'd be so disappointed with his year. I know he got a win at a wave that he'd never really done well at before. But besides that, it's like it, it's like he hasn't even been there. Like, it's crazy to think that John and Gab have been in every event this year. Just doesn't feel like that at all. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's certainly not, um, you know, the kind of year that uh, we're used to seeing from him. But it's a funny one. Like, he is surfing so well. There's no doubt about that. But he just cannot seem to crack a result that's even, you know, outside of the wave pool event. Every other event for him, bar Margaret River, has been a, a ninth, which is just so uncharacteristic for him. Yep, it's weird. And also, like, yeah, he's in the top five now, but it's pretty narrow. Like, he's at 28,000 points. Jack Robinson's at 27. The next surfer in fourth is uh, Ethan Ewing. He's at 32. Third, Joao's at 36. So there's a huge gap between him and the next two guys within the top five. So he's got to be feeling pretty precarious because Jack is right on his heels. And John's right behind that. So it's going to be a race down to the finish. And again, like we've talked about it before, but I'm saying the top three are locked in, Griffin, Felipe, and Joao, just looking at the numbers and knowing how many events we have left. So it's really going to be those last two spots. And Ethan's got J-Bay in his favor. Brazil and Chopes, you don't love him. Um so I think, yeah, there's a good chance Gab ends up in there. He's good in the last three events. There's a good chance Jack gets in, and there's an off chance that John gets in with two big results in the last two events. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, there's a lot going on, and it's pretty exciting. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And if you look at, like, the schedule, and Brazil is definitely a wild card, but the, the final two events, J-Bay into Tahiti, every single one of those surfers, you would say, from seven up to fourth, the, the crew that are looking to fight to get in, it favors all of them pretty highly. Like none of those guys are going to be weak at any of those two locations. So yeah, it's going to be, uh, and you can't count out Italo either. Italo's at 23,000 behind John. He can do well in Brazil. He has won J Bay and he can certainly do well at Chopes as well. So yeah, he's still in the picture, even though he has had truly, truly like the lackluster season of lackluster seasons after coming off a second place last year and you know, a title back in 2019. Mm. Yeah, definitely. He's. Uh, I'd say he'd need to win Brazil to be to be a chance. Just with how how you know how well the other guys are surfing and how you know they keep inching away further ahead. Um, you know, Gabby in fifth at twenty eight. That's five thousand points ahead. So I can't really see Gabby sort of tailing off now. It's it's certainly not you know it'd be uncharacteristic uncharacteristic for him if he didn't um, you know really come home super strong. Yeah, and then on the women's side. Uh, I said Steph was in fifth. That's half true. She's tied with Tatiana for fifth. So if it stood today, I think Steph would still get the nod because of the way that her um, events kind of play out. That you know they have a whatever system that they have to determine if you tie this person is better than the other. Uh, and then in seventh place is Katie Simmers, and she is less than a thousand points behind Tati and Steph. So she's still right there. We talked last uh, event about could she win a world title. And it feels weird because these things move so much with just the sort of momentum that people have. You know, Katie has a good event and you're thinking, oh, could she win a, a, you know, a world title this year? And it's like, hell yeah, she could. And then she has a bad event here and puts up a 3.7 point 
heat total, you know, and you kind of forget about her. But she's right there. I mean, she won in a beach break earlier this year. She could do it again in Brazil. And she's got J-Bay, where you'd have to think she'd be fantastic. And again, Chopes, I think she's going to prove herself out there as well. So she's still in the running. After that, uh, Lakey Peterson's pretty far down, like 5,000 points below Katie. So I think unless something really special happens from one of those women at the bottom, uh, it's probably looking like the top seven are fighting for those five spots. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Mikey, let's get into some come-ups. I have to give a massive round of applause to Felipe Toledo. If you're in his shoes and you have experienced what you did at the wave pool, which was, you know, we all know what went down there. For him to come back, runner-up in this event last year to the same guys in the final with, to the guy that won the last event, to put up 17 points in the final, he would just be feeling on top of the world. Absolutely. And, I mean, God, yeah, you, you felt like there was a lot of emotions going on in his surfing, ranging from anger to passion to just like I'm gonna like I need to do this for myself and probably for my country a little bit as well you know uh and it really all came out in those two heats that he put on today the semifinal he absolutely trounced as well like some of the best surfing he's done all year I think and just the most like impassioned surfing he's done all year uh and then seeing him do it again in the final and in tricky conditions, but conditions that are also very well suited to his style of surfing that's just like very quick and explosive. It was great to see that happen, and it was great to put $400 in my pocket. So thanks, Felipe. <laughs> How did you go over all this event, Mikey? I went really well. I went up like 700 bucks or so. So yeah, it was a good one for me, despite... Oh, wow, that, that makes up for your horrible performance at the pool. Yeah, well, you know, Stacy, how it goes. You can't win them all. But I think we're what? We're seven events in. <laughs> I'm six for seven this year, which is a damn good stat. They say that, you know, the house always wins eventually, but I haven't seen that yet. So I'm just going to keep, uh, I'm just going to keep throwing my pennies in. No, you are, you are actually on fire. Like outside of the Surf Ranch event, which should have been the easiest one for you. Um, every other, every other event you've been really, really solid. So I definitely commend you for that. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, I think your picks were, were pretty good. We, we'll get into a bit more on that later, but, uh, what about you? Any other, but there are, there are a few like rogue bets that go into like, there's definitely some moments where it's like, oh, I could just cook my entire season. Like I saw Tyler Wright up against the wild card in round two and you know, it's Tyler up against a goofy foot at a right hand point. And I just maxed out the bet. I threw two grand down on it, just thinking it was a sure thing. And yeah, she won, but not by that much. <laughs> Hang on, you threw two thousand bucks down this comp on Tyler Wright in round two. Yeah, that's right. What was she paying like seventy five? Oh shit! I, I no, I, I made like I think I made like three hundred bucks off it or something. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, I, I get where you're going. They really shouldn't have even had a market on that because like the chances of her losing that heat are so slim. However. It is surfing, and that is still a very brave bet. I bet it was the most exciting round two heat you'd watched in a long time. I semi-purposefully made sure that I was kind of out of service when that was going on because I knew that I would just be like a fucking fiend <laughs> just scratching my neck. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was the, it's that five seconds of like firing up the app and loading the results page that you're just sweating <laughs> and then just re relief. Wow, that's, uh, that is hilarious. And uh, tell us about, did you have any come-ups for yourself? There was, um, 
you know, unfortunately a few days off there between, you know, the main rounds and the finals, which always leaves a bit of a, um, you know, a bit of a lag in the momentum. But uh, other than that, Mikey, did you have any, any other... Any other moments you were pumped up on? Well, I just, I mean, there was a lot of underdog wins in this event. Like in that, uh, I think in the second and third rounds, there were a lot of lower seeds that took out big names. Um, you saw like Baron Mamiya, Ian Gentile, Liam O'Brien, obviously taking out um, Ethan Ewing. So there's a lot of that. And yeah, I just, it's cool. Like, I mean, look at Ian Gentile and Liam O'Brien making the semis. That's huge. And I guess for me, that's, yeah, you, as a, especially as a better, you have to love an event where underdogs come up, unless that, unless you bet $2,000 against the, the favorite, then you're not really betting for underdogs. But yeah, uh, my come ups, I guess, were just like the people uh, toward the back of the rankings and the men's side, especially coming in and just taking out some big heads and saying, yeah, we don't really abide by this this old system of these guys are the best and we're just going to lay down to them. Ian Gentile came out swinging. Liam O'Brien, I love the way he surfs. I, I think he's too hard on himself. I wish he had a little bit more like confidence. Um, but his, yeah, his surfing's way up there for me. For me, one other come up was watching Griffin in the yellow jersey. He did not look phased by that at all. I always think it's interesting. Like He's never worn the yellow jersey before. And it definitely looks heavier on some people than others. And I, I can't believe how much it suited him. Like the one combo that he did, I think it was round three, the eight, six, that was next level. Yep. He was surfing really, really well. I mean, th- he just won the last event. He won this event last year to get all the way to the final with all that pressure. And plus the added, you know, yellow Jersey, it's a lot. And he absolutely rose to the occasion. Final definitely didn't go his way, but I don't think he's going to be too bummed about that. Given the position that he's in right now, he's, I'm, I'm saying he's a hundred percent a lock for the final five. He's probably going to be in that top, you know, three at the very least, which gives you a better chance naturally to to take out the title and it's going to be at his home break so everything's going really really well for him right now and i think uh the boys over at quicksilver need to get started on some some world title merch <laughs> yeah well uh hopefully they're listening to this as this gets published and uh the art room is cranking away because like you said he's uh definitely looking pretty good i think you know the surfers that missed out last year were just shy of forty thousand points and griffin's on 42 philippe's on 41 You've put Jiao in. I'm, I'm saying he'll be good, but I'm, I, I wouldn't put my house on it just yet. He's on thirty six thousand points, so uh, we'll see. We'll see. You wouldn't put two grand on it. I would not put two grand on it. No, I would put no grand on it. Uh, <laughs> I would <laughs> bet online if you're listening. I will take those odds, whatever they are. Give them to me. <laughs> You'll take them at a dollar and one. Hey, you know what? One more thing about Griffin is I was with Felipe, as you know, a few weeks back. We were filming a little thing and. Throughout the trip, I was just kind of, you know, just getting to know him a bit better and just sort of asking him questions and understanding him. And he's like the coolest guy ever. I really, really loved hanging out with him and working with him. Like genuinely cool guy. Like not all pro surfers are that cool. And Felipe is. Uh, And one of the things I asked him was, you know, obviously you're looking to win your next title. Which surfers do you think pose the biggest threat to you at lowers? And he said to me, Gab, who obviously beat him back in 2021 out there and Griffin. And those were the only two people that he really thought stood a chance against him. As amazing as these surfers are on the wave face, what makes them even more special is how they like profile their competitors. And you saw that with when Philippe beat Italo and they split the peak. And just that confidence of Philippe to know, hey, I don't need to take this left off you. I'm going to score on the right and outscore you because I'm 
essentially better than you at wave, you know, front side to front side. Like those little decisions, they're the things that win you world titles. And, and you know, Philippe, F- F- Philippe to profile Griffin like that, I would I'd have to agree. Like F- Griffin in many ways is, you know, very similar to Philippe. I'd say Philippe's probably got him in the edge on rail and sort of power to weight ratio. But in the sense, like, Griffin's got a massive frontside carve, he's got all the combo tricks, and he can do full rotation airs on a dime. So, in a sense, I would say that, you know, I'd be thinking those two in the final two on the last day of the year for this season, it wouldn't surprise me. And there's so much, not only are they maybe the two surfers best suited to that, but also there's just so much weight to their whole, I don't, I guess it's a rivalry at this point, isn't it? Yeah, for sure it is. Like, you know, I don't know if it's been constructed through their distaste for one another, but maybe more so some internet rage. Uh, but sure, I'll take it. It's, a, it's definitely a rivalry. Uh, it's one of the one of the matchups you're most excited about seeing on paper when it pops up. So, yeah, I don't think we'll ever have the rivalries like we were getting when we were kids watching this sport. But, yeah, it's definitely definitely a modern rivalry. All right, well, there's a lot of great stuff to talk about in this event, but what about some letdown? Should we do it? Love a good letdown. Let's roll. Oh, I'd have to go my letdown. Number one is the big fella. Gabriel just did not fire this event. And uh, although, you know, he has a funny way of sort of just doing what he needs to do at certain points in the season. And I think like what you mentioned, he is inside the top five now. So that's certainly a tick of the box for him. And now he can sort of keep building on that, knowing he is you know, closer to locking himself into making the final five. But still, yeah, in, in his heats, it, it just didn't look that great. And I, I don't think, you know, we talked about, you know, the percentage of the goof footers winning this event. Shout out Caroline Marks. But, you know, overall, I still think he's well equipped to, to, to perform really highly at this wave, but it just didn't look to be the case at all anytime he stood up. Sorry, Gab, it's, it's not been his year yet, but... Again, there's still three events left to be served and then a final, and he's good at all four of them. Uh, so you can't, I mean, it would, this is where the WSL finals thing gets a little weird because Steph also is now in the top five, as we said, and she's 16,000 points below Carissa Moore. So in theory, that number could get even bigger, that gap could get even bigger between them, but Steph could still finish in the top five still make it to lowers and win the thing again. Maybe unlikely, but very possible. And even if Gab were to win the title this year, it would feel a bit weird, wouldn't it? Like nothing that he's done in competition, even the event that he won, he wasn't the best surfer in that event. He had a good last finals day that he just kind of like made his way through the event and then kind of put it together when it mattered. But at no point this year has he really felt like the best surfer in the world, which is strange because obviously he's one of, if not the guy. But yeah, it would just feel weird if he were to win. But that's that's the way the sport is set up right now. And and I've obviously come out as generally speaking a proponent of it while still recognizing its flaws. Um, but yeah, that's the situation we're in. So understand your letdown on Gabby. But mine, well, I guess I got a couple. One is I picked Katie Simmers as my favorite. And I mean, what are you going to do? She went out and had probably the worst heat of her CT career. But you know what? She bounced back by literally posting a YouTube video from the same trip in El Salvador with the title of it being 3.70, which was her heat total. And it also had one of the most fucked up roundhouses that I've ever seen. So she bounced back quickly. Did you catch that one, Stacey? I did, yep. Next level, yeah, what, what, what more can you say? I love the 3.7 heat total. To me, like her whole program, it just, 
exemplifies grommet hood in its purest form. Like, complete show-stopping performance, I thought, at the pool. Like, for her and how much she surfed there, like, I thought she looked so confident and so good. You know, really, really strong to then come to El Salvador and do that. I just, you got to, you know, it's comical. And I think, you know, that's what makes her so dangerous for a title if she finds herself in the final five. It's just you do not know what you're going to get. You talk about athletes profiling one another. Good luck profiling her. She either, she's either going to light you up or it's going to be a, you know, the house is going to burn down. It, and, and I just, I tune in for those performances. Like, that's what that's what's exciting to me. It's true. And, you know, I think a lot of really talented people start out like that and then they find their way. And in a way that, that becomes a little bit depressing because they go from these, like, incredible moments of brilliance that you never know exactly when they're going to come, but when they do happen, it's the best thing ever, to somebody who can go out and consistently get sevens by surfing safely. Katie doesn't strike me as the person who's going to go fully in that direction. I think she's going to retain a little bit of that Dane. But I do think that if she wants to win a world title, you know, before she decides to go off and do whatever she wants, there will have to be a happy medium because you can't go from excellent to, you know, a 3.7 heat total in a year where you want to, like, guaranteed Mick Fanning in a year that he won a world title never had anything below what, like an eight point or nine point heat total max? Yeah, it's your your average heat total to win a world title needs to be up around fourteen points. Uh, probably, maybe more for the women, and that that's just the, it's probably less this year though because the waves have been so average. That's true. It's it's still really high though. Every single heat, it, it's quite you know when you look at it on paper to qualify for the world tour is not that high. Um, there's been QS seasons where you know eleven and a half points you qualify. So if you can get eleven eleven and a half points all year, you'll qualify. Um, world title's different though. It's, it's another, it's another playing field. I think the year that John won, one of the years that Gabe won, it was like 16 and a half, which is just so gnarly to think about every single heat you surf, you got to get two eights in every condition, you know? Well, remember though, Stacey, you're talking about years when you have to finish first to win the world title. Nowadays you don't. So that stat is going to change. You still have to, it will change and it, it potentially could be lower. However, it's still the theme of it. No, it will be lower. It has well, to. Well, yeah, it might be lower marginally, but there's still 10 events in a regular season. And if you want to come into the final five in, say, the top three, let's call it the top three to give yourself the best chance at a world title, and you just go a regular season average, a regular season average is still going to be excellent, I think, to make the top three. So whatever way... Regular season average still has to be excellent. Oh, like not excellent like 16, just excellent in like the general sense no yeah you're right it might not be 16 but it would be it would be high i still think it'd be two two sevens or or higher which is difficult to do like so many heats don't go that way and there's there's one heat in this event for griffin i think it was versus seth where griffin got 11 points they're the heats that you need to learn how to win like that's not a highlight not a highlight real heat no one's gonna get back and probably watch it like unless you know, you're just scrolling through because you look at the heat on paper, it's like, oh, 11 points versus 7 points, Griffin won, cool. It doesn't look like there was a big score in there. But that heat is so important to win. Um, and, and, ha- and, ha- yeah, and how you do it like that, that's the, that's the difference. And I think, you know, I know exactly what you mean about young talent getting almost like homogenized by the criteria and, oh, you know, you just got to get to the end of a few waves and you'll, you'll get your scores. That mentality will never, ever win you a world title. And the, the good surfers and the good coaches know that. They just know they have to get scrappy when they have to, but they're still going to encourage, 
the athletes and the judges are still going to push progressive surfing. Like you're not going to cut back your way to a world title. Very true. Very true. All right. So those are, oh, I guess the other two little letdowns for me, obviously seeing Jack Robinson struggle so much. And I know that it's injury related, but you just, you want to see him back to full health. Also, he's having a baby. Congrats on that, Jack. And just, this isn't necessarily letdown. It's just a bit of an oddity. Liam O'Brien makes the semis only jumps up two spots in the rankings. So he's at number 16 right now. Not that it really matters for him because I guess he's, yeah, he's not going to get one of the Olympic spots and obviously he's already made the cut. But yeah, I guess the, the race to watch right now is Jordy Smith and Rio Wida, uh, more so just for the Olympic spot. If Jordy gets above Rio, the spot goes to Al Cleland. If Rio gets above Jordy, the spot goes to Rio. So yeah, that's a pretty uh, delicate one there. Oh, that's a crazy one. That is, um, yeah, that's so, such like so impactful for both Rio and obviously Al. You know, uh, we saw what it did for Rio's profile. It was a flag bearer for Indonesia at the Olympic Games. That is like wild. Uh, and obviously Al, serving for Mexico, if he, if he made the Olympics, you know, not, not only to mention his chances in Tahiti would be really strong that's just a crazy crazy uh, opportunity all right so anything else from el south states we need to get into yeah mikey before you hit the road i think uh we need to recap a couple of your value bets so let's get into it you had us keeping an eye on liam o'brien and betty lou sakura johnson oh yeah and i want to say that it didn't come off in your heats that you pictured it to come off in however they had some outstanding performances, which I think is exactly what you were talking about, what their skill sets were versus the wave. And as you said, there was a lot of underdog wins this event, particularly in those earlier rounds. And so I want to give you a bit of credit for picking those two. They had a massive, um, they had massive heat wins. Liam O'Brien over Ethan Ewing, Betty Lou Sakura Johnson over Caitlin Simmers, convincingly. So what I want to know is, Mike, is did you get behind your underdogs in the middle of the event? Uh, well, n- yes. I bet on Liam over Ethan. I did get that one. And, yeah, it's unfortunate that I lost the big bet. Obviously, that would have been, like, the huge payoff. And sorry to anybody that took that specific bet. But to Stace's point, hopefully you rode the dogs a little bit after that because there was a lot of money to be made. And... Yeah, I mean, you're not on those on those value picks, right? It is that's the thing. It's a fucking gamble. And the good thing with value picks is you actually don't have to spend that much to make that much. I went pretty hard on Liam cuz I was just really feeling it and unfortunately it didn't come off, but yeah, when you go on those value picks, you expect to lose, but on the off chance that you win, you hit pretty big and it feels great. And I think that's what betting's all about. Like you want to do the slow and steady thing as well, and that's where I've made most of my money this year is just on like the smart picks, but every once in a while, you got to throw a dog a bone go pretty hard and um i actually hit with leo again pretty hard in this event as an underdog too so they're they're out there they're always out there you just got to sniff them out and find them and if you don't get it the first time try and try again i think it's a, it's a good point as particularly on leo we, we've sort of brushed over him the last couple of events i know you bet on him at the wave pool as well and he came off for you there in the round one heat uh he's having a great great season eighth in the world for the young italian he's on fire Absolutely. So he's locked up his Olympic spot, which I'd say was probably his first priority this year. He's not really aiming for a world title. I mean, he got second at the first event, so maybe after that he was thinking, huh, would it be possible? But 
I'd say, you know, he's probably just below that rung of like the next level of guys who are really vying for the world title, but he's done his job this year and then some. He's got an Olympic spot. He's in the top 10. That's going to bode well for him in contract negotiations and bonuses and whatnot. And who knows, man, a few more years. And I don't exactly know what you can do at his sort of age and stage to get to that next level because it really does feel like it's just kind of X factor. He's got all of the like core fundamentals down in all types of conditions, but it's just that bit of X factor that separates the top guys. Um, but you never know, man, crazy things can happen. He gets in the top five, win a few heats on finals day, and he could find himself the first Italian world champ. You, you kind of just glazed over it uh, with regards to him winning a world title. Leonardo Fioravanti wakes up thinking about winning a world title. That guy is a world champion in his mind, just to be clear. I believe it. And and for where he is right now, he's thinking Final Five world title. You know, I, I agree with everything you said. I, I'm not too sure that he's got the, the, the big moment X factor to do it, but he's certainly got the, the, the doggedness and the head smarts. And like you said, if things to go his way, stranger things have happened for sure. So it's um, going to be really, really like if, you, if you're giving Italo a chance of getting in, like Leo's right around that number as well as far as like, you know they're tied well events coming up i mean like it's low definitely gonna be stronger in brazil but j bay and uh tahiti man leo goes yep you're right he does there's every chance he could get in the final five there's another one there's another one for bet online ag for mikey someone give him a market on leonardo fioravanti making the final <laughs> five <laughs> um, all right well stacy it's been a joy talking with you. It's been a fun, if again, semi underwhelmingly, uh, you know, wave wise event. But we've got Brazil up next, probably more underwhelming waves from the viewing side. Uh, we can always put a little bit of hope in J Band Tahiti. The way this year is going, though, I wouldn't uh, certainly wouldn't put $2,000 on it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's one of the most exciting races for a world title and both the men and the women's. Obviously, we also have the Olympic thing going on. So it's a great year of surfing, even if the waves have not been. Rio starts in less than seven days. So fingers crossed that uh, Brazil saves the day forecast-wise and uh, we get to see some firing right-hand pits at Sakura. All right. Until then, Stacey. Talk to you soon, Mikey. Thank you very much, Mikey. Thanks for your time. Good to have you back in the routine of work. Now, big week in surf news. Let's drop in. Mikey, we are no longer in the Stab International Global HQ Podcasting Center of my attic. You're far away from me now, and it's sad. Yeah, across the Atlantic, but it was a good run. It was a really, really good run. It was a good run. I saw, we posted it too, but Luke Cederman, aka Raglan Surf Report, had made a video about what it's like when you get back from Europe and you just, uh, he's taking the piss out of people who just go to Europe for two weeks and then just act, uh, try to like kiss people on the face and stuff after. Have you found that your experience matches that. Do you feel that that make you feel valid? Um, well, you feel heard. I am in Florida right now, and mm. yesterday I went to a biker bar, and 
drank sure. tequila and soda um, around a very different group of people than you would ever meet in Europe. And I would say the assimilation actually went pretty well. I think I dropped straight back into into my dirty East Coast roots. So I think I'm, I'm handling it quite well. Wow. Wow. Nothing like a dirty East Coast route. That is the slogan for the uh, ECSC. Let's get into the news. WSL to officially open world's largest wave pool in Abu Dhabi. Mikey, I got to say, this one caught me so off guard. Um, I had never, I would have never in a million years guessed that this would have happened. I had, I woke up that morning and I thought, there's no way the WSL would be opening a wave, the world's largest wave pool in Abu Dhabi. I've never even heard anything about that before. And then there it was in my face. <laughs> it was so surprising. What, uh, what about you? <laughs> yeah, well, as longtime listeners know, we reported on this story kind of uh, about a month back. Well, we first brought it up on the podcast as a bit of a mystery for our, our listeners to solve. And we got some good submissions, one of which ended up being correct. So are you, do, you, do you remember who sent in that one that said that the, the wave was going to be on Hood Rat Island in Abu Dhabi? Yes, and they asked to not have their name shared. Uh, they said, hey, here you go. Uh, stuff's weird over here. Don't, don't, say, me, don't say my name. <laughs> but we had a few other people submit it also since then. It seemed like that was, as time went on, more and more people were saying, hey, it's definitely here. Um, but I think the first person, yeah, I was like, oh, th- sweet. Thank you so much. This looks proper. And then they're like, yeah, don't say my name. Like, okay. Well, thank you. You know who you are. Um, we appreciate it. But yeah, so we have been talking about this. We did, even when we announced it on here, we had heard something in the Middle East. Um, we had to frame it as a rumor. We were pretty damn confident. We were confident, not pretty damn confident. We are flat out sure that something was happening. We just didn't have all the details worked out. And, um, and then it became official. Basically, some non-mainstream sites started talking about a wave pool on that island, didn't talk about the WSL or the Kelly Slater Wave Company. And so we pushed WSL and said, hey, can we talk about it now? And they said yes. <laughs> so, right, is that, that's that, is that kind of a summary? Yeah, that's pretty much how it went. So the details are, much how it went. Um, the, it's going to be called Abu Dhabi Surf. And it's owned by a company called Modon Properties, which itself is owned by the Saudi state. And we're going to go into a deeper dive. I've been working kind of tirelessly the past two days in a deeper dive about what this could actually mean for surfing and how this isn't necessarily just a one-off incident and how this could speak to bigger changes that are in the works. But yeah, basically, it's going to be on this little island in Abu Dhabi, which is obviously part of the United Arab Emirates. It's one of the major sort of superpowers over in the Middle East, along with Qatar and Saudi Arabia. They got rich with oil, but they are looking to modernize and find new forms of income that don't rely on basically old dinosaur bones that are buried in the ground and have uh, dissolved into a beautiful black liquid. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. The, the WSL, they say that it's going to be finished construction in December, and they've already not so much even hinted, they've stated plainly that it is basically specced out to hold major surf events. And the wave is going to apparently be bigger and better than anything anybody's ever seen. So there's that. The ISA should try to rent it out. <laughs> um, I, I know I saw an early version of your story, and it's fucking great. I can't wait to get it in front of people maybe this weekend, maybe early next week. It's coming. But just kind of gut reaction of if surfing in the middle east kind of buddy up a bit more 
Yes or no? You into it? I don't know if I'm into it, but I'm into the the storyline and the narrative just with everything else going on with, you know, like what's happening in golf and you just see them investing in so many sports and it, it seems to be helping those sports in a lot of ways. And I think those sports are already pretty fucking rich. So if we could somehow figure out a way to leverage their capital and make surfing exactly the way we want it, granted, that means that there's a lot of other interests in the room that we would have to navigate. <laughs> so who knows what that could mean? It could mean very bad things for surfing, but but I'm into it. If it's a yes or no, I'm saying yes. Oh, hard yes for me as well. Hard yes. I mean, when you look at some other sports, look at like football, whether it's the one that you kick or the one that you throw most of the time and sometimes kick when you're doing bad, American one. <laughs> If somebody buys that, some new thing buys it, changes everything, and you don't like how that turns out, then you're fucked. Your Sunday is ruined. Your whatever time that you're watching your soccer football is ruined. You can't, like, there's a difference between being a fan of something and participating in it. With surfing, I think the risk is so much lower because it's like, even if there's new ownership and professional competitive surfing looks way different, worst case, they fucking botch it. I don't, do you really care? You still take your board and you go in the ocean and you have fun. It doesn't really matter. Whereas like if somebody messes up a, a league where, you know, the person who's a big fan doesn't actually participate in it, that's a problem. And I mean, obviously I still love to watch WSL. Speaking of which, El Salvador final coming on, hopefully in two hours. Um, should we just roll right into a pick here just for no reason, just in the middle of the wave pool segment? I think we should. Please do it, because we're already going to know. Stace and I already just talked about who actually won, so let's talk about who might win. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. All right. I wonder what you guys just said about Liam O'Brien wow. for CT win. I'm fucking saying it. Liam and Steph. Huge. Liam and Steph. Call. Huge call. You, you heard know, it here second. I actually made that big bet on Liam in the first round, I put a hundred bucks on him at plus seven fifty against Gab and Italo. It didn't pan out, but you know what? Guess who's still standing to that trio? Liam O'Brien in the semis. I love that call. You're wrong, but I love the passion. It's gonna be Felipe and Steph. Oh, you can't look past the goats on. in right hand points. I mean you just can't. I'm sorry. I know and you know, a lot of people I'm sure think Griffin's gonna win too back to back. You got the whole pool debacle behind you know, there's a lot going on, but it's Felipe and stuff for me. Oh okay, okay. Somebody saw the two thousand twenty two WSL final results and just, you know, copy and paste. I get it. C B. Um, oh back to the wave pool, back to the wave pool. One thing I wanna bring up is that I have this theory where if because we have to go back and forth with WSL quite a bit. Just we cover their stuff a ton. There's always interesting things happening, especially right now. It feels like there's just so much going on in the WSL world. So uh, there's some great people there that we talk to regularly, which is another funny thing. You know, I feel like there's sometimes so much like hate directed at the WSL and like people kind of forget that there's just like real people who love surfing that just that's their job that they're trying to do. And like, it's just, I don't know. Anytime I interact with some of these people, it just kind of reminds me of just like, how funny is it? That they're just like random people yelling at like this entity when it's like, no, really there's like good people that work there tangent but my thing is going to be i think if any time i'm talking to them about anything i'm just going to keep on saying like hey and by the way like here's my flight for abu dhabi and i think if i you know if like you repeat a lie enough people start to think it's true i think if i just keep on saying that they have to buy me a ticket to abu dhabi it's going to happen so that's kind of my strategy um if you have the contact i'm sure they have like a travel department if you have this person's contact so i can just send my flight directly to that person, please let me know, and I'm sure somebody that listens to this does, because I'm gonna just 
kind of trick them into sending me there. That's all. Keep you posted. All right. We'll see see you in the Middle East, Buck. <laughs> see you in the Middle East. Here are your How Surfers Get Paid Season 1 Spark Notes. All right. There was a lot of territory covered in Season 1 of How Surfers Get Paid, and Mitchell Shepard did us all the service of rewatching every episode. Not Mitchell Salazar? Not Mitchell Salazar. He was too busy... Uh, you know, breaking down the action there of Liam O'Brien's dramatic win, the way he won at the final two last, I'm going to say 93 seconds getting that wave. I thought it could have gone either way. He won. Not Mitchell Salazar. Mitchell Shepard wrote a story kind of breaking down some of the biggest learnings that we pulled from how servers get paid season one. I mean, to be honest, I think you've been at stab full time for two, two and a half years. You've been here longer. I don't think I've heard as much feedback about anything that we've done other than how servers get paid. I mean, you may have been here for like the doc or I guess not from the early iterations of Stab in the Dark, but the feedback around this series is just insane. It's pretty much anytime I see anybody that I haven't talked to in a while, they have to like, they bring it up. Um, and so we felt like... I had an experience like that recently with like a pretty high level person in the surf industry that just like came up and that was like the first thing that they brought up was how much they loved that. And I think that too, like it definitely gears itself more toward people who are a little bit like older and more into business and that and whatnot. But I've heard kids are into it too, which is, it's pretty sick that they're starting to think about surfing as more of a business as they should, if they're going to be pursuing it, because it's not just how well you surf a wave as we've learned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you're like 12 and you just hear what Jordy says in some of those episodes, it's just like, you're in, you can't, <laughs> you can't not be in. But anyway, this, this piece breaks down some of the biggest kind of revelations that we pulled from there anything from bobby martinez turning down a 1.2 million dollar deal to that's actually bobby bobby 316 is my favorite revelation i believe bobby 316 is an important one it's still it's uh, in my instagram bio anyway from bobby 316 in my instagram bio to i think my personal favorite was because i bit i was working in surf media at the time too and the john john florence taylor swift thing Hearing for the first time that that actually didn't happen, a bit heartbreaking. Um, I think I wanted it to be true, but that was, I think that just shows the range that how surfers get paid has. It goes from like just unpacking these random weird little rumors that people heard, either from like Taylor Swift and John John to the seaplane stuff to actual cold hard facts regarding deals. So covered a lot of ground in this piece is a little spark notes to remind you of everything that happened. By the way, season two, we have a season two preview coming this month, maybe next week, I think, I hope, maybe the next week. And then we're looking to get episode one of season two out the door by July. So it's how servers get paid season, folks. It's coming. Happy summer. Inside Nathan Florence's unprecedented approach to professional surfing. Ryan Miller conducted an interview with Nathan about a year and a half ago for us and it did incredibly well nathan was just very candid about his life his business which is in content creation if you will and also getting people to exchange money with him for sticker placement and product placement and that interview struck me as wow this guy really thinks about things on a different level this i'd say is like a more surf focused equivalent to that if you have been following Nathan or even just, I don't think you can miss Nathan, even if you don't watch all of his vlogs, I don't think that he's at a point with what he's doing career-wise where 
you don't even have to follow his Instagram and you're not going to miss the guy. He is fucking... He pretty much owns Instagram. And it's crazy because he breaks all the rules of the algorithm and still every single post just explodes because it's so good. It's so good. And so this is the stab interview with him where he talks about... I mean, we caught him at a time. August Howell conducted this interview, by the way. Did a great job. We caught Nathan at a time where he had just went through a six-week span where he went to Australia, both the East and West Coast, Tahiti, Mexico, and Tasmania. Also Australia, but still. And Ireland. Don't forget about Ireland. This wasn't in the six-week span, though. This was um, uh, This was just okay. out that span. But anyway, this guy basically, there's chasing swells, and then there's what he's doing, which I don't even know what you call it. He's just going everywhere anytime the ocean looks scary. And then going on everything has any surfer ever done what he's doing right now as far as no fucking chance like the amount of money that he spent the amount of time he spent in airplanes and remember he's paying for not just himself but a filmer to go every like i'm just how is he not one dead and two destitute it costs so much money to go on like one strike mission and he's going on a different one every single every five days basically and then he gets there and he always gets a psycho wave every time it's not like one trip like Every single trip seems to have this like crazy highlight moment where he's like, the guy is just going so hard and so often. And I guess you see that at some waves. Like sometimes there's a season where somebody's going really hard at a wave that they're really familiar with, but like doing that again and again at new spots. Like there's part of this where he talks about learning the skill of learning the ocean, of how like his ocean awareness skills have really just gone crazy since kind of taking this approach. That to me is fucking fascinating. I, he, yeah, nobody's doing what he's doing. Nobody has done what he's doing. And uh, this is a great read. We could actually pull some audio from it too. So you could hear Nathan's voice. Let's get him on the show. Uh, it's hard to say. You surf so much different ways and in short periods of time. And every, like, to me, like, the most epic challenge, I think, hasn't been any specific wave necessarily, but, but learning a new wave on the go in the first session. Mm-hmm. That's been like the coolest part to me is I'm, I've always like, you know, you, you show up to a new wave and you have all this preconception about it and, and it's always different than you think, whether it's heavier or less heavy, it's always going to surprise you no matter how many clips you watch. But what I found is you can actually learn to learn a new wave really quickly, if that makes sense. Like, you can pick up the skill of picking up on where to sit and position and learn a new reef really quickly if you do it often. Right. And that's been like the coolest part of chasing as much as I've chased is like my ocean awareness has just gone through the roof. Yeah. Because I've searched so many different ways and so many different reefs. And I feel like I've now like started to pick up knack for paddling out on the first session and able to get a really good wave mm. um, instead of like having to session it a few times um, before you, like, learn where to be or which one to pick or what to go on, you know? Yeah. You have to pick up a knack for, like, learning new reefs really quickly within the first 30 to 45 minutes of the session. And then, because most of these swells are single day, and you only have one session, and maximizing it and then, like, trying to get the wave of the day and that one session that you flew into a wave never surfed before. But doing that, I think, has been, like, one of the most satisfying things. Yeah. That's learned and challenged myself with over the last two years that's a really good point uh there's i think there's a term like like anyone can be a a specialist at the spot they grew up at or the spot they spent 20 years mastering 
gonna get you're gonna get a wave wired. And yeah. You're gonna you could be top dog at a wave when you spend ten years at it. But like, can you show up first day, first session, and and get a really good one? Like that's a lot harder to do. And so, learning to do that and like really working on that and like. How an 11-year-old Beijing-born snowboarding prodigy got better than you at surfing? Short answer, I'm going to say jeans. We are talking about Paddy Zhou, who... Whoa. Okay, folks, we got to get into this pronunciation thing. Paddy Zhou, I found a guy. He's a Chinese history teacher on the, on the YouTube website. And this man told me, because the Zhou people, they had a dynasty as well. And so he's saying Zhou. Okay, but in do the you, piece... Do you agree... Well, I mean, in the piece, like Holden, who wrote this, he stated it very clearly. And I think the first sentence at the end, he says, parentheses, pronounced J-O-W, which to me reads as Jow. Joe. Jow. No, Joe is J-O or J-O-E. I'm hearing Jow. Jow. Ow. But Holden spoke with Patty, and the interpretation of J-O-W for me is just Jow. So are you calling Patty a liar? But Holden's like cool cool california long hair guy you know maybe he's like joe man like maybe that's his way of writing joe like he doesn't go ow that's your two jerseys he also has he has his own issues with surnames that he needs to sort out so oh yeah he's got yeah some stuff to work (laughs) through there some childhood trauma all right pat patty joe patty joe whatever it is i'm going patty joe which all of a sudden makes her sound like the central figure in a bruce springsteen song but anyway how'd she get better than you at surfing I would say jeans. She's 11 years old. She's already making do tour podiums on a snowboard. And apparently she can learn backside straight airs on a surfboard at like the drop of a hat. That's also unprecedented. I don't know. I've never heard of anybody doing that. Obviously, I think the the snowboard thing helps. And she has been surfing for a while. She talks in this interview about surfing in Bali and uh, going on large waves, which she's 11, but I believe her. I believe you, 11-year-old. Um Anyway, futuristic week here, isn't it? We've got, we've got the Abu Dhabi thing, and now we've got a taste of an 11-year-old. They're just a deeper dive. We've been talking about her on the show before, but this is kind of a profile that gives you what you need to know about her. Um, future of surfing. We've got wave pools in the Middle East, and we got 11-year-olds who just pick it up and start doing psycho airs at the drop of a hat. It's Welcome to the new world, folks. <laughs> I think Holden nailed this interview too. Like he really, I mean, Patty seems really easy to talk with to begin with, especially like just how outgoing and outspoken she is for being 11 years old is so crazy to me. But I think that he really did a good job of like capturing who she is as a person and also obviously like an athlete and what her aspirations are, which includes being on the CT, by the way. I was under the impression that surfing was kind of just for fun for her and, you know, snowboarding is sort of her bread and butter where she makes her money. I think you make more money in snowboarding than surfing don't you i think if you're like the top top but i think generally i think if you're like on the b plus program she's not gonna yeah you're right you're right you're right you're right well she's never gonna be on the b plus program in anything she does (laughs) so i i think she could be in the a plus program in both things maybe we'll see a little sean white action where she goes like full multi-sport athlete i guess that's kind of tough though with just the schedule of things um, so she'll have to figure that out in due time, but she's 11. So she's, she's got plenty of time to work with. One thing I want to call out is when we posted this on Instagram, there were a ton of comments. I mean, I didn't count them, but over 10, maybe 20, let's just say 33 comments from people sharing the experience of 
being in the lineup with her at Waco Surf, we know that she spends a ton of time there, which explains, one, the edit that got her on her radar, and two, how damn good she is at airs. But seriously, go look at this post on her Instagram because there are a ton of people just saying, hey, I surfed with her. She was so cool. It was so much fun. Like, they just, it seems like when you're in the water with her, she's special too. You don't, there's something weird about everybody saying that to the, to the point where like, she must be the sickest person to surf with. I bet she's just like jolly and fun and ripping and just like kind of saying weird 11 year old girl shit. It's, I want to surf with her. I want to surf with her. It pisses me off even more. We, we went over this the first time that like when I first saw her surfing, I just instantly wanted to hate her. And then I saw an interview of her and I just couldn't help but love her. And this just makes it even worse. She's like actually fun to surf with. Most kids that surf this well are little pricks. And apparently she's just a joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're big fans of Patty on this program. Uh, you mentioned it before, but one thing. Oh, also, we should note, too. I don't know if we said it on the last podcast, but maybe we hinted at it or something that she'd never surfed in the ocean before. Yeah, it's not true. She grew up surfing in Bali. That was her first time. So although it does seem like she does most of her surfing nowadays in the pool, it's not as if she's like truly just a like pool spawned little tadpole that can now do giant mute grabs over our heads no no not the truth folks she is you'll see her in bali too and she'll be making you laugh there as well you mentioned it before but one thing i do want to call out is yeah being this good at snowboarding i almost wonder if she's going to be in that same position as sky brown of just like having pretty much the ability to choose which makes things really complicated because it's like what do you do do you try to do both do you yeah, I don't know. I, that That's hard. When you're that good at two things that kind of require different schedules, different a lot of different things, hard to choose. But I guess it's better to have options than not. Because um, those two, like somebody like Patty or Sky, it's like that's easy Olympic medals. Um, so one thing I do want to say, though, is just a rule of thumb. If I were to give advice to any kid out there, it is to never let something like an Olympic medal or a medical degree get in the way of your surfing. Um, with somebody like Patty or Sky, that's a big possibility. You know, you can let this Olympic medal get in the way you're surfing, and I just don't think you should. I think just put surfing first, regardless of uh, any sort of a higher education or Olympic medal. Um, no, but really for Patty, even though obviously she's super focused on snowboarding, at the very least she could compete in let's call them extracurricular surf events. Uh, we might have one coming up this September that she could be interested in. Ooh. Ooh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Is it the one where the people do the airs? Yeah, I think that's the one. That one. No, oh, the stab high. Yeah. Wow. So we're going to try to get her. Wow. We're working on it. We need to see her just do her thing in person, live and in person, go up against the best female aerialists in the world, including, of course, last year's winner, Sierra Kerr, stumped that full rotation. Let's see if Patty Zhao can take her down. I am getting on that so quickly. I bet online at HE once it goes live. It's it's. <laughs> Aren't you a judge? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What if surfing isn't enough? All right, this is a piece on Stab Freemium, which means that it is the level of quality that we strive for on Premium, but we think it should be free for everybody. So Freemium, there you have it. Ali Klinkenberg wrote it, and it is about an upcoming movie that he made with the help of our friends at GoPro where... Basically, he went on a roughly 1,000-mile, not KM, mile, shout out Imperial System, but 1,000-mile bike journey through Australia, 
basically because he has struggled with mental health stuff his whole life and he felt like getting on the bike exercising doing all that was a huge huge tool for him to use when working through that um honestly this piece he gets so fucking open it's i think this is incredible i think it's an incredible read i can't believe yeah i i feel so much for the guy and he really opens up here so i almost feel we're talking about it like you should just go read it i don't feel that comfortable speaking on his behalf but I just want to say that he gets really deep there. I appreciate him just being honest about everything. I'm looking forward to the project and uh, go check it out. It's fucking, it's wild. Love you, Allie. All right, what else do we got? We've got the, don't forget to go on Stab Premium and read the Liam O'Brien wins the El Salvador uh, Surf City Pro article. That'll be on there. Um, We've also got a, We've got a Paul Evans guide to pronunciation, which it's it's maybe we'll have a voice note on that next week because it's fucking good. It's it's and it's a tr- it's one I struggle with, but that's the next week thing. We had a busy week this week. Uh, Tomas Hermes, his edit Verentes is hopefully going to be on YouTube soon. I think by the end of the weekend we'll have it on YouTube, so that will also be free for everybody. Um, we've also got some good stuff coming. We have got a deep dive into neoprene and a potential link to the USA's Cancer Alley. It's a really trippy story, this one. Um, I'll share that next week. We have got that update on the Board Riders Authentic Brands. We've got the update on the Board Riders Authentic Brands Group situation that is coming. Mikey, as you mentioned, we'll have your Abu Dhabi story rolled out soon. And uh, there's some more things shaking on the stab end of the year front. Let's just say that, but... Not going to name any names yet. Now it feels like it's time for a surf sin. Hey, Stab. Um, I have a surf sin confession. 18 and a half years ago, I decided it would be a good idea to paddle out my 9.8 at lowers. I know. Thought if I could paddle out in the dark, we could get three or four rides in before the crew of groms and pros showed up but it was already crowded paddled out anyway first wave i dished my board into somebody second wave i blew the bottom turn still paddled out to the peak and sat outside third wave uh, biff to take off again it's terrible then paddling back out i I didn't go through the white water. I tried to paddle around a guy who had a set wave and didn't quite make it, got a little sideways and he had to straighten out, ditch his board. Haven't been back since. I hope that's enough penance, but let me know your thoughts. Oh boy. I understand. He went anonymous on this and I get it. I get it. This guy needs to go directly to jail. There's people that it's like one one thing happens and then that's it. It's like it's like I feel like there's some people who just become complete agents of chaos where it's like sometimes a bad a mistake happens, especially, you know, somebody gets in the way, something goes wrong, it can happen to anybody. But then there's times where people come and they are just a fucking wrecking ball, just an absolute agent of chaos and it can't, it seems that they can't not make everything go wrong. This sounds like this guy's session at lowers. I mean, I, this guy just doesn't care about anything at all. 
I just what is this guy's like? I is, I feel like he's probably like a serial killer. Something is wrong in his home life. That's for sure. That's why he went anonymous. He didn't want us to know. Anyway, I yeah I agree with you. Jail time would be not bad. I think the society would benefit for this guy to be behind bars for a bit. I'm not sure. We don't have the power vested in us to to send him behind bars on this program. But what we can do is we can give him a spiritual penance. We can supply him with that to let his healing journey commence and hope that he gets better because he's a danger to himself and others at this point. He really is. Yeah. So what do you got, Buck? All right. Lowers, longboard. Oh, I get Joel. Joel Tudor's allowed to. Okay. You're not Joel Tudor. This wasn't Joel Tudor. But lowers on a longboard. Uh, I mean, we've talked about it before. We've even written a story about how voluminous surfboards have kind of created a weird dynamic in the water because people that you have to be good at surfing to paddle in the waves and people can kind of skip that step to get there. Longboard just the biggest extension of that. You just kind of paddle in before somebody on a shorter board can even be looking at a wave. Um, so I want to flip this entirely. And so I say he needs to body surf at lowers. Uh, no fins, no nothing, mm. and get down the line. He needs to get three waves. Um, he also needs to walk there from the parking lot. Definitely no fucking e-bike, but I'm not oh, saying yeah. no bike, no skateboard. You just need to just get into board shorts at your car at the Carl's Jr., and you walk down, <laughs> no sunscreen, get burnt. Um, maybe it'll be a foggy day. You'll be just fine. raw dog yeah. lowers. You raw dog your way down there. Uh, you swim out right into the pack, and you just body surf three waves. <laughs> so and, you, and and then, then walk, walk home. home um and the the uppers way or, or on the trail and then the, the path oh the uppers the, he can go whatever way he wants not he can't do the drop off but he can okay. choose he can choose yeah, between yeah, those no. two going on the under the train tracks like a law-abiding citizen or uh over the train tracks like every person who's ever wanted to take an instagram photo saying i'm at lowers um so yeah, that's it for me. It's just stripping that volume thing back. And uh, Surfline has a great cam there. So if, when you do this, there's really no no way of saying it didn't get footage of. Just uh, even if you if you don't have an account, just let me know. I've got like 10 people on my dad's one. Shout out. Send me an email if you want on there. <laughs> and also, um, feel free to wear a bright orange shirt just to make sure that, one, you get your clips, and two, to piss off that other guy that does that. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's my penance, and also just while we did the surfline thing, next penance maybe I'll give my dad's surfline password. If you get next week's <laughs> penance, that's your prize. You get the stab premium account and my dad's surfline password. All right. So my penance is you. You brought up Joel Tudor as one of the very few people who's allowed to ride a longboard at Lars. I'm saying maybe there's only one other really, and this is the OG Herbie Fletcher. So I think you need to oh, of course, find yeah, Herbie Fletcher. I think you need to apologize, and I think you need to buy an Astro Deck grip from him, and then go go to the nearest store oh, wow. and buy a bl- brand new shortboard off the rack, and then bring it down to T Street and put in a four hour session working exclusively on backhand snaps. Oh wow! I like that. That is very healing. That is very healing. Wow. Chakras aligned here. I mean, this guy, this guy needs, yeah, this guy really needs to like experience the other because it's just he he's gone way too far. So I feel that this penance needs to be one a little bit convoluted, two expensive, 
and three just really make him question everything he's been doing in life wow i love and you have to face herbie fletcher yeah i know but to be fair like that's how you buy astro deck now anyway great penance mikey and uh namaste anonymous good luck on your healing journey let us know how it goes Shout out next week. Get these servicemen in. Mikey, give them the rules. Oh, yeah. You know, 60 seconds or less. Film it vertically on your phone. Maybe with your face. Maybe anonymous. Get creative. And, uh, yeah, if we pick it as a winner, you're going to get a free stab premium year, basically. So get in there. Yeah, and and you get access to my dad's surfline. Don't fuck with my dashboard, though. <laughs> oh, man. Just imagine mixing all of your waves all around. <laughs> oh, it'd be so off. Changing the feet, Sid. I wouldn't even know how to keep it. All right, we'll see you next week. See you next week, folks. Namaste. Thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. As always, send your surf scenes through to michael at stabmag.com and buck at stabmag.com. Film those videos vertically. Try to keep them to less than 60 seconds. Send them in to receive your penance. We all know you've got one. Go on, send it in. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch up with you next week.